0: Well, we are going to do things a little bit differently today for the balance of the service, because today is a Shabbat of solidarity that has been called by uh, Jewish communities all over the United States as we stand in solidarity and join our hearts with the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh and the family of congregations that meets there. It was one week ago that a lone gunman entered the Tree of Life Synagogue in Squirrel Hill neighborhood, a traditional Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he shot and killed 11 Jews. And he declared that his intention was to kill Jews that day, and he did. This act of violent anti-Semitism is Perhaps the worst act of violent anti-Semitism in American history and one of the worst acts of uh, terror and mass murder in a house of worship in, uh, in recent memory. So we're gathering together and we're gathering together to mourn, to mourn together and to pay our respects, to give and receive solace and comfort from one another And we're also gathering together, not just as people, we're gathering together as people before God. And this is most important, that we mourn before him, that we receive from the Holy One of Israel comfort uh, from our Redeemer, from the one who is named Menachem, according to the prophet, the Comforter who comforts us. So we mourn together, and we learn from what Yeshua said, blessed are they who mourn, they will be comforted. We don't put down our sorrow, we express it. And we express it together, not just alone, we express it as a community. And not just as one community, but as a a community of communities. And we express it before God in order to receive comfort before God. Now it's also important at this time that we come before God with humility and that we examine ourselves in order to find any hatred or violence within us that needs cleansing and healing. So we must humble ourselves before God and examine ourselves at times like this when we are contemplating how evil has done such terrible and heinous things. It's also a time for us to examine ourselves and say, what in me could what in me could be silent in the face of evil? What in me could contribute to evil of any kind through hatred or violence? And we need to be cleansed. And the healing that we need, the healing that we need as individuals, and the healing that we need as families, and the healing that we need as congregations and as communities. And the healing we need as nations, this healing requires God's help. This is very important. And as a Messianic congregation, it's important for us not to be confused about such things. We know that God is a healer. We know that God is alive. We know that God hears us and responds to us. We know that God is close to us. We know that he is Shomer Yisrael. He is the watchman over Israel. And so we don't give in to a spirit of fear. The scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control, a sound mind and discipline. The healing that we need is not possible if we just come together as like-minded people and try to bring comfort to each other. We have to come together with God and we have to humble ourselves before God. We have to come before him because we can't heal adequately without him. And we can't heal without humbling ourselves before him. The justice that we seek requires that we humble ourselves before God. We must mourn in order to cleanse our hearts with God's help and with his comfort. And in this way, we don't allow anger to corrupt us or distort us. When we mourn before God and he comforts us, we are able to seek justice with a right heart and a right mind. We don't allow our anger to undermine the process of justice. We want justice. We need justice. But we don't need revenge. And so our anger has to be purified, it has to be cleansed. The death penalty is being sought for these heinous acts of evil. I personally am glad for that. The state and the federal courts have their deliberate processes regarding the death penalty. I'm familiar with the process in Florida. know nothing about the process in Pennsylvania, nor federal process, but no doubt it will take some time. And no doubt it could be even years before there might be the actual execution of a final sentence, if it were a death sentence, uh, that is given here. And so we have to find ourselves Not only finding comfort now, but finding our comfort with God and our our cleansing of our own hearts before God so that we can endure as we continue on. Now we're standing together because this this loss touches all of us. And I think we can all say that we're appalled. We're appalled by this evil act of violent anti Semitism. And not only was it violent anti-Semitism, it was made even worse because it was violence against elderly people, and it was made even worse by the fact that several of those elderly people were Holocaust survivors. And they had survived the evil of Hitler and Nazi Germany, only to lose their lives at the hand of an anti-Semite in America. It's made even worse by the fact that it was on Shabbat. It's made even worse by the fact that it was in the synagogue on Shabbat while people were worshiping God. And all of that compounds the evil. And we're appalled. But we're also grieved. And I think we can say we feel vulnerable as Jews and as those who join themselves with the Jewish people and are part of the Jewish community. And I think we wonder, is this the beginning of something worse? And we hope it isn't. But we have to, I think, learn something. We have to learn not to give in to fear at such a time as this. Not to hide. And I'll tell you why. There are people not only Jews, but people of many different faiths who are saying, I don't want to go worship anymore because I'm afraid. And I want to tell you, if you give in to that sentiment, then the adversary of God and of the Jewish people has his victory. If you retreat at a time like this, then they win and you lose. It will not bring you safety. Remember the words of Mordechai to Esther. You think you can hide? <laughs> Forget it. When Sandy and I were in Budapest, Budapest, Hungary more than 20 years ago, we were doing a, an outreach, a Messianic Jewish outreach for the Jewish community of Budapest then for others who, who wanted to come. And Jewish community leaders, especially the older generation, warned us not to do it. And this is what part of their logic was. I mean, they had a lot of different reasons. But part of their logic was, if you as people go out in public and proclaim Jewishness, you will stir up the anti-Semites and you will make it worse for all of us. And our response was, we're not hiding. Let the anti-Semites be afraid of us. Let them be in hiding. Interestingly, it wasn't just about, about Messianic Jews that they said this. When Chabad wanted to do a Hanukkah event, in a public square in Budapest, they got the exact same warning, don't do this, there will be anti-Semites. I happened to be out of the country when that was happening, but my wife Sandy went to that event, and she was like a vigilant set of eyes. (laughs) And during that Hanukkah event, two tough guys, most likely mafiosa, according to their dress and manner, because it's identifiable, pulled out switchblades and started sneering and making comments about the Jews and what they were doing. And Sandy found who was in charge of security there and brought them over. And you know what, those guys were removed. They were taken away. And the result of all of that was safety. Sandy didn't give in to a spirit of fear. Those guys left a little bit afraid. Good for you, Sandy. One year in Budapest, we, we wanted to do a, a Sukkot celebration in probably the most beautiful park on Margit Island in Budapest. And we got permission from the mayor's office to do it. And we were going to build a sukkah. And as we were bringing materials over there and making early arrangements and plans, we noticed something that, that was appalling. On many of the park benches, there was anti-Semitic graffiti. How many? 26, 26 park benches had uh, anti-Semitic graffiti of the most vile kind, including gallows with Jews hanging from the gallows, and saying in Hungarian, death to the Jews. Swastikas and other things, slurs against the Jewish people. And we saw that, and I, I had two reactions internally. And one of them is, somebody needs to do something about this. And I'll tell you what the other one was in a minute. So we we contacted the mayor's office again, and we said, this is a terrible situation, and they said, we'll clean it up. So every day we would go in anticipation of Sukkot, and we'd look to see if they cleaned it up, and they hadn't. So we had one more phone call to the uh, mayor's office. It went something like this, in English, it was actually given in Hungarian. If you don't clean it up today, we will do it overnight. And I'm happy to say they cleaned it up so that we didn't have to. But our position was, we're not, we're not going into hiding because of this. We are going to take care of it. But that led to the second internal reaction, which I want to, to let you know about. I was angry. And it wasn't that I lost my temper, but I was angry with other believers in Budapest, especially Gentile Christians who profess love for the Jewish people. And I'll tell you why I was angry. Because they would walk by Not just in this place, but wherever there was anti-Semitic graffiti. And they would just ignore it. As if it's just part of the sad landscape of Budapest. And so I communicated that to pastor friends. And I said, "It's, it's not right for you to tolerate this. You should be standing up for us by doing something. You should go out there and clean it up. You should be contacting the mayor's office and insisting this is removed immediately. And your inaction is wrong. And I didn't even say it with my customary smile. It didn't really change anything. And that's a sad thing because the tolerance of anti-Semitism is grievous. Now I think the murder of the Tree of Life 11 is meant to send us all into a place of hiding and to scare us into silence and invisibility. And we have to know what our position is. And as a congregation, we have to understand this. We have a message of comfort. We have a message of healing. We have a message of, of good news for the broken, for the wounded, for the those in grief and sorrow. And so we have to hold on to that. We cannot give in to any fear or to any despair, no matter what. We want to continue to be instruments of God in bringing healing and courage to this broken world. So we mourn, but we don't surrender. And we won't retreat as our adversaries may wish. And instead we open ourselves to others so that we can share love and courage and healing and comfort. Many many Jews in America are accustomed to hearing reports about anti-Semitic graffiti. Not uh, passive about it, but accustomed to it. That anti-Semitic graffiti on Jewish cemeteries, on Jewish buildings, in other places, is meant as a serious, serious act against the Jewish people. We don't just shrug our shoulders and we don't just say, well, that's the way it is. We condemn it. But it's important that we go beyond that. It's important that we ourselves be courageous and that we ourselves stand up and that we're not afraid and that we don't give in to that spirit of fear. Nor that we just withdraw into isolation. That also would have the same effect. There are people who wish that Jews would just disappear well, guess what? You're out of luck. (laughs) Sadly, though, there are people who wish, Jewish people who wish that Messianic Jews would disappear. And we can say, you also are out of luck. I know that At, at times like this, you may see news reports and different things about Messianic Jews being excluded or judged or this or that. And um, you, should be, you should be prepared for that and you should understand how to, how to think and how to feel about such things. But you shouldn't be terrified, nor should you think it's only about Messianic Jews. Because, I mean, I've heard reformed Jews recently in public places say, Messianic Jews are not Jews. Messianic Judaism is not Judaism. And, you know, I say, okay, fair enough, if you want, according to your theory. However, at the same time that they're saying that there are Orthodox Jews saying, reformed Jews are not Jews. Reformed Judaism is not Judaism. Conservative Jews are not Jews. Conservative Judaism is not Judaism. And even this, modern Orthodox Judaism is not Judaism. And they're not Jews. And pretty soon, people who think like that find themselves alone in a closet and say, like Elijah did, I alone am left. And I think the Lord yawns at such things. And says, you're not alone. There are thousands of others who are faithful. And so, if, if you get all nervous and, and weepy over rejection, just understand it's part of Jewish turf. And uh, as, as someone who grew up in a Jewish family in, minority status in Virginia in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I would just say, get over it, get over rejection. It's like, you can live with rejection, everybody can. Rejection will not kill you. Just be thick skinned enough and learn as we did as Jewish kids, how to be sarcastic. It's not the best thing, <laughs> but it's better than nothing. <laughs> and rather than be all wounded and feeling bad for yourself, make, find some other attitude. So we're Messianic Jews. We're not shy. We're not in hiding. We're not going in hiding. I was talking to a, a Reform rabbi in Crimea years ago, we happened to be on the same train. I've told you this story sometimes, uh, different parts of it over the years. But at one point he said, you Messianic Jews, you're not Jews. I said, yeah, we are. (laughs) And I said, not only are we Jews, we're not like the Karaites. You may not know about the Karaites. The Karaites were a Jewish sect that rejected Talmud and rabbinical interpretations and said the only authoritative texts were those of the Torah the Tanakh. And so they were kicked out of the rabbinical Jewish world and they were told, you're not Jews. And so I said to this rabbi, and we're not Karaites. You can't kick us out because we're not going. And he started smiling, he said, I know, we've tried. <laughs> I said, it's not gonna work. We are part of the Jewish world, because we're Jews. And we're joined together with people who are not born Jewish, but are part of the greater Jewish community. And we love Messiah, and that's all there is to it. You can't get rid of us, don't even try. he just smiled. He actually liked that kind of chutzpah. (laughs) You know why? Because that's authentic Jewish. (laughs) You know, to get all shrinky and... (laughs) You know, I don't know. I can think of a lot of words I'm not going to say in synagogue. But (laughs) to describe this. But, But think of your worst words to describe that kind of shrinking violet person. It, it doesn't help for us to do that. We do not embrace arrogance, nor do we embrace insensitivity. We are part of the Jewish world. We weep together. We, we mourn together. The attack on the Tree of Life synagogue is an attack on us. And we are all Pittsburgh today. We are all vulnerable. We are all in sorrow and in grief. But we form our responses beyond that in the light of Messiah and with the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't stop with the thought of who are we as Jews and in the Jewish community. We enlarge it to who are we before God. And what must we do and how must we react? So, in our congregation, we'll continue to welcome others to join us and to experience the love of God and the warmth of community and to discover the grace and the mercy of the life of faith that's centered on the Holy One of Israel and Messiah Yeshua. We will be unabashed in that and unafraid. Now today we want to say Mourner's Kaddish together and I want to ask uh, for the Mourner's Kaddish to be put on the screen and I want to ask you to stand. And before we say Kaddish together, we want to honor those who were murdered by remembering their names. And so I will call out the names of each one and ask you to repeat their name. And then I'll tell you the age of each one as we go through this. Rose Mellinger. Rose she was 97 years old. Melvin Wax. Melvin Wax. He was 88. Bernice and Sylvan Simon. He was 84 and she was 86. Joyce Feinberg. Joyce Feinberg. She was 75. Daniel Stein. Daniel Stein. He was 71 years old. Irving Younger. Irving Younger. He was 69 years old. Jerry Rabinowitz. Jerry Rabinowitz. He was 66 years old. Richard Gottfried. He was 65. Cecil Rosenthal. Cecil Rosenthal. He was 59 years old. David Rosenthal. David Rosenthal. He was 54 years old. Let's join together in the English and then in the Hebrew. Magnified and sanctified be his great name in the world, which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom during your life and during your days and during the life of the whole house of Israel, even swiftly and soon, and say amen. Let his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity. Blessed, praised, and glorified, exalted, extolled, and honored, Magnified and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed is he, though he be high above all the blessings and songs, praises and consolations which are uttered in the world, and say, Amen. May he who makes peace in his high places make peace upon us and upon all Israel and say, Amen. Yit <speaking in> Gadal Viet Kadash Sheme Rabah, Bialama Divrach hiruteh, v'yamlich Malchute, Bachayechon Uvyomechon Uvchaye bet Chol Yisrael, Baagala Uvizman Kariv, Vimaru, Amen. Yehe Shme Mevarach, Leolam Olome, Omaia. Yitbarach Barach Vitaar vit Romam Vit Nase, Vita le, Vita Lah, Vita Lal, Shemedakodeshah Burihu. La elob mim kol berchata Vashirata Tushpachata Fanachamata Damiran Belamah Vimaru Amen. O se shalom bim hu Hu Yaase Shalom Alenu, ve'al call Col Yisrael. Vimaru. Amen. Lord, we come to you as our comforter, and we look to you, the one who keeps faith with those that sleep in the dust. And we say, Lord, pour out your comfort on us. We pray for the families in mourning today in Pittsburgh, those who lost loved ones last Shabbat, We pray, Lord, for the Jewish community of Pittsburgh and for our Jewish community and communities all over America and the world, and we pray, give us courage, renew our strength. We look to you, Lord, because you truly are the shield of Abraham, and you are our shield. And though evil rises up against us, you've promised to, and you have always preserved a remnant. Let it be that we do not forget the high calling we have to bear witness of your faithfulness in the land of the living, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Two others who were worshiping were also wounded but did not lose their lives. And as well, we want to honor the officers who courageously put themselves in harm's way and were wounded, the police in Pittsburgh on Tuesday released the names of officers who were injured while responding Saturday to the active shooter at Tree of Life Synagogue. And I'm sorry for telling you to sit down, but let's stand up and, and remember those. These, these officers did not lose their lives. However, they were injured and wounded, and we want to thank God for them, for their courage and for what they did. So I'll call out the names of each one and then ask you to repeat them. Daniel Meade, Daniel Meade. Michael Smidga Michael Anthony Burke, Anthony Burke. Timothy, Matson. Timothy Matson. These men were all wounded by gunfire. Two other officers were wounded. John Pearson, John Pearson. and Tyler Pachell. Officer Pearson suffered a hearing injury and Officer Pashel was injured in his knee during the incident. Lord, we thank you for these officers, for their courage, and we pray for their healing and for their comfort as well, that you would fortify them and strengthen them and that they might rise up even stronger than ever. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Next Friday, November 9th, is the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht. And I read a short article about a video produced by the Leo Beck Institute. And this was in uh, AtlanticMagazine.com, written by Emily Buder. And I just wanna read to you from this. Just before midnight on November 9th, 1938, the Gestapo chief, Heinrich Müller, sent a telegram to every police unit in Nazi Germany. It read, In shortest order, actions against Jews and especially their synagogues will take place in all of Germany. These are not to be interfered with. Firefighters stood by as synagogues and Jewish-owned homes, schools, and businesses burned to the ground. Within a day, 91 Jews had been murdered, and between 20,000 and 30,000 Jews were arrested and sent to concentration camps. Now I want to stop for a second and make some comments. Imagine how things would have been different if the people who were sworn to protect the citizens had refused that order, and instead of not interfering, they interfered. Imagine imagine how it would have been different if firefighters had put out the fires. Not only that, if police had stood guard over synagogues and over Jewish businesses, and had arrested those who came to do violence, rather than allow tens of thousands of Jews to be arrested. I point that out because I want you to think about this. When normal people do not do normal things, extraordinary evil can run amok. What can each of us do? Anything, something, normal things. And what's forbidden to us is just to think it's not our problem or that the problem is too big and what does it matter if we do something? Let me continue to read this article. Kristallnacht changed everything, said Dr. Ruth Westheimer, one of the nonagenarian Holocaust survivors interviewed in the new short documentary from the Leo Beck Institute. Indeed, the pogrom, which occurred 80 years ago next week, is widely considered by historians to be the inflection point of the Third Reich. When persecution of German Jews sharply escalated to violence, incarceration and murder. In the film, the interview subjects recall their experiences in the Weimar Germany and the early days of the Nazi regime. Many escaped by the kinder transport program. Others were lucky enough to obtain visas through well-connected family members or friends in America. America did not exactly make it easy, remembers one woman interviewed in the film That's a myth, the open arms of the Statue of Liberty. It wasn't true then. She says it's not so true now. (coughs) Despite the efforts made by immigrants and international aid organizations through 1938, said William Weiser, the executive director of the Leo Beck Institute, nobody wanted to accept the German Jewish refugees. Weiser said his organization is attuned to similarities and differences between historical events, such as the night of broken glass and now. For those we interviewed, Germany of the early 1930s was a model for the rule of law. In spite spite of that, they saw the collapse of their democratic system. He views firsthand narratives, such as the 1938 project short film, to be powerful tools. They teach us, he says, that, that we, like the generations before, do not know what will happen next. It's a sober reminder. Each of us is called to do something. Each of us is called to take a stand, and we don't give in to that spirit of fear. We don't just retreat. We don't say, it's too great a task for us. We spend our lives on such things. This is what we're called to do. The one who tries to save his life, Yeshua said, will lose it. And the one who loses his life for my sake, Yeshua said, will gain it. I want to close by talking uh, for a few minutes about the steps we are taking to update our safety and security here at the synagogue. And we've been working for for several years, really, on what we can do to improve our overall safety and security. This is not just about the current situation that we're facing, but others as well. And though we're saddened by what happened in Pittsburgh, we do understand something. The threat level has not increased. It is not that we now face a a clear or present danger. But we do need to be prepared. We do need to take reasonable actions, not because we're overreacting or because we're afraid or terrified, but simply because there are things we can do that can make a difference. And so we're taking reasonable precautions, and I want to share with you some of those. And one of them, very practical thing, is we've decided to again have JSO officers here at every Shabbat service. And last night, we we had a JSO officer. Because of the demand right now for officers, uh, no one was available for today. But we have made arrangements for all the rest of the month. And we want to continue for the foreseeable future. And as before, when we have JSO officers, they come in uniform, they are armed, and they will have their cars in a prominent and visible place. And I encourage you to thank them and to recognize them and pray for them as well for the work that they do. This will cost us an additional $1,200 a month. And of course, we have the money for that right now. But when we think of the, the future, if this continues, it could be $15,000 extra a year above and beyond our budget. And so what we are encouraging you to do uh, is, is think about how you can help cover these costs, how we can all do it together. I'll tell you more about that in a little while. The second thing we're doing is we will work with first responders to establish a safety plan for the synagogue that will include some safety drills, just like we're all familiar with from grade school. Who remembers fire drills from grade school? Well, we need to do fire drills in the synagogue. We need to do them on Shabbat when we're here. Like it won't help if Rabbi Uri and I are the only ones going through the fire drill. (laughs) You get that? So we need to schedule some, and we will do that with the help of the Jacksonville Fire Department and other professionals, and we'll have some fire drills and safety drills here on Shabbat during services, including during services when the kids are in Shabbat school. Now, we're not going to do surprise fire drills. Before we do them, we will tell you today, we're going to have a fire drill. And before we have it, we're going to say, in a few minutes, we're going to have it. So that when, when the alarms go off, you don't go, ah, is it real or what? So you'll know, you'll be prepared. <clears throat> and these drills can be useful for, for fire for a bomb scare, for any natural or man-made emergency or something that happens nearby that would require orderly evacuation. For instance, we're not far from I-95. If a, if a gas truck overturned there and they had to evacuate the whole area, we would need to leave the building. So we need to know how to do that. As well, We need to learn how to muster outside and we have to build practice and confidence that our children will show up and meet with us in order to uh, protect parents so that they're not always worried, number one, or number two, that they ignore instructions and start running amok trying to find their kids when their kids are already outside. I want you to understand something real basic. Look at the exit doors. You'll see that they are well marked. The exit doors for the sanctuary are not the same as for the Shabbat school, right? So in the event of an alarm, the kids would need to go out of their exit doors. We would need to go out of ours. And then you have to practice the ways that our Shabbat school team and emergency response teams will make sure that kids and parents get connected again so that everything is orderly and so forth. You understand the value of that? I, I think it's really important. As well, because we live in Florida and we have tornado warnings, there was one in Orlando just yesterday afternoon. We have to learn how to hunker down during... Uh, synagogue services, and we've never had to do that. We all know what to do in the event of a hurricane. Don't come, right? (laughs) Don't come to the hurricane, wherever it's scheduled to be. Go somewhere else. But when there's a tornado warning, you know you don't evacuate and go outside. You go into windowless rooms. And we have plenty here in the synagogue. But you you and I need to practice going to those. It's useful no matter where you are to know where emergency exits are and where you can go in the event of uh, any other kind of emergency. Fourth, we have worked closely with the Jacksonville fire Fire Department, and I want to tell you we are in compliance with every recommended safety requirement for a building of this size at full capacity. So we have emergency exits, more than enough according to code, more than enough in number and in size for orderly and easy evacuation. We have fire extinguishers, extinguishers that are regularly inspected. You should pay attention to such things no matter where you are. Fifth, I want to encourage you to be vigilant whenever you're here at synagogue. And even though we are a mishpochah, we're a family, have your eyes open. If you see something that's strange, act on it in a proper way. Tell one of us, um, if you know what to do, do it. Be careful and wise, but, but don't just ignore such things. If you have an instinctive or intuitive response, pay attention to it. And especially, I wanna remind parents, be mindful that when your children are not in Shabbat school, they are your responsibility. And you need to know where they are, and you need to have eyes on them so that you are responsible for their safety and that you don't think that just because we're mishpacha, It doesn't matter if you know where your kids are you need to know where your kids are at all times now finally i want to return to the the topic of the costs this weekend we want and in the week to come we want to raise the money that we need for the extra costs for a jso because we think it's a good idea to take a reasonable precaution of having jso here for the entire month while we make other determinations. That's gonna be a total of $1,200 for the month. And you can contribute to that um, through all the normal means, (coughs) which include um, online giving, mail giving, or giving in person. But we do ask that you designate your special offerings as being offerings for safety and security. And, and I believe that if, if we all act in this next week, that we can have more than enough to cover November and even for the months to come so that we can continue in this. It's a good idea and a reasonable precaution to have the presence of JSO here because you know, as I do, that, that some people, just, if they just see an officer, they go somewhere else and then you're safe for that time. So I wanna encourage you about that. We're not taking up an offering right now, but I wanna encourage you, um, take initiative to to give above and beyond so that together we can cover this and have extra monies to cover these extra costs. And it will make a good difference. Well, we're gonna close right now with prayer. Would you please rise? Lord, we thank you We thank you for the kindnesses that you're showing us. And we pray that you would use us for good in our community, that you would watch over us and protect us and be our shield because we know you are the shield of Abraham. Now we want to close with Aaron's blessing. If you're standing by yourself, I want to encourage you to just move a little bit so that you're not alone. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. You can join us for fellowship next door at the Shalom Center. Don't forget your children.